Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the sports podcast of the Kansas City Star. I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. On today's show, star columnists Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian are here to talk about the Royals' all-star representative, Whit Merrifield. The group gives its thumbs up on the selection. Later, Sam shares his thoughts on the prospects of sports gambling in Missouri and Kansas. It's coming to our region soon, but what form will it take? And I hope you'll stay with us until the end, because you'll hear some inspiring words from a former member of the Star staff. Today's podcast is dedicated to Adam Darby, who passed away two weeks ago. First, we'll hear from Royals manager Ned Yost, who informed Whit Merrifield of his All-Star selection. The audio was posted on the Royals' Twitter account. I've been to the All-Star game seven times. The first time I went, I always thought, you know, geez, I could sure use those three days. After the first time I went, I never not wanted to go again because it was so cool to get into a locker room with the best players in all of baseball, and for three days, you may hate them, you may not like them, you may, you may like them a little bit, but for three days, that group becomes a team. And that was always cool, and that was always fun to me. So this year, I want you guys to help me Welcome the newest All-Star, and to congratulate our teammate, Whit Merrifield. So that was Ned Yost introducing uh, the team's All-Star representative, Whit Merrifield, in the clubhouse on Sunday. So uh, we are joined by Kansas City Star columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian, and my question to you guys is, was this the right call? Did the the All-Star voters who voted well first of all who, who votes for the players now what's the what's the process there's a formula um it includes peer vote um and, and some other factors. there's a coach's vote i believe but um yeah it's it's not like it used to be where, where you where you got your key your, your dad's keys out yes and uh poked out the, the little pencil. Well, what do we call those chads hanging chads, hanging chads. <laughs> i don't want to bring up mine was the pencil here, that we, we would get with the scorecard yeah there you go yeah. he there kept those go. pencils absolutely yeah the pencils and the scorecard. and as many scorecards as you wanted at, at one point yep or not scorecards but i mean the the, the ballots you, they'd pass them down the aisle well you get 30 right. of them if you wanted them and then you'd that's you'd, right you'd put them in the box on the way out or, or the usher would come by and, and take them and who knows what the usher did with them i mean do you assume that uh, no. but so um, so anyway was was with the right uh, see if, if the Royals were going to get one representative was this the right guy Dozier's the other one right um, that you'd be thinking about and Dozier's offensive numbers are better uh, he missed what they end up being two and a half weeks yeah and he's Something played like play that. 61 games he's played in I think so yeah. so he's know, missed about 20 yeah. games a little bit more than 20 um, or hasn't played we should say uh, in a little bit more than 20 games. Um, he, he'd be the one you could argue for, but you know, with Bregman and um, Matt Chapman uh, was the other third baseman that, that was announced. It's you know, those are two great players. Whit Merrifield deserves it. You know, like I mean, there's no like if Dozier got it, he would have deserved it. But you know, Merrifield, I think like I, we've talked about this before here. Um, he he he's at a point now where it's he has established an All Star caliber baseline. You know, like he's not having the best start of his career. It's, it's a really good season that he's having, but this isn't an outlier. And this is a, 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 a worthy all-star selection. Even if you take out work ethic, um, you know, example, positional versatility, you know, all these other things. I mean, he's, he's earned it. 
Um, it's, it's it's hard to argue against that choice. One of the things I find myself thinking about with Wit and and look, he's he's a great presence in the clubhouse, great to talk to, right? A really interesting guy. But we've all talked about this before, how he, he completely operates with the chip on his shoulder as his driving force. And I don't know how he's going to go on after this. I mean, it, it's, he's, he's well, got he's not this, starting. this all. Yeah, he's not starting. That's right. Ooh, ooh, ooh. But it's kind of interesting. I thought about that in the spring. Where this, this season has been the first time it's been about proving people right instead of proving people wrong. And um, he certainly has been. That's well put. You know, it's yeah. true, I think. You went to his hometown in North Carolina and his college at the University of South Carolina, Vahe, and, um, and wrote a really nice story. His hometown of, and I'm going to take a lot of pride in pronouncing it right. I know you're going to. Advance. Yes. North Carolina. <laughs> uh, not advance. Advance. Uh, you spent time with his parents. Yeah. And the whole story the, the whole story was about perseverance, wasn't it? It, it really was. And, and it's kind of funny. I mean, he... You know, we're joking now about how he might have to gin that up a little bit, but certainly there were a lot of crossroads in his career where it was like, even his dad was like, you know, not wanting to play him on his own team because um, he was so <laughs> undersized and bunted a lot more than he wanted to for a long time, including with uh, Ray Tanner at South Carolina. Um, you know, at one point, Witt had to tell him, you know, I, 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 I can do more than bunt. And, but always kind of being the guy who moved around, and, and but the guy who was fundamentally sound from the start and always kind of bold and always had a little belief in himself. Um, and that was kind of required, right? And, and the sort of the, maybe the best part of the story or the, 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 the real flashpoint of the story is how he felt in um, 2015 when he, uh, he, he was so upset he didn't get called up during the middle of all that that he didn't even watch the postseason. It, maybe he wishes he could walk that part back a little bit, but it's part of um, illustrating how down on, on this he was. And he had to have a long talk with his father about whether he wanted to go on in baseball. Kind of a fascinating parallel. This is a little bit ancient history, but it's kind of interesting. I mean, his dad um, his dad got called up to the major leagues uh, some years before and was in the lineup for a game. For the Pirates. For a Pirates. And uh, the game was rained out and... They decided to send him out before he even ever made a major league appearance. So there's kind of something really sweet in all this for the Merrifield family, too. And I think his dad has long appreciated the opportunity Witt got that, that he didn't, but not, not as something to be obviously jealous of, but something that he sort of feels fulfilled by. I never know with All-Stars whether you reward the, the the first half of a season or there's some element of career achievement. But I think in Whit Merrifield's case, there's a little bit of both here. Um, he's I don't think he's leading baseball in hits. He's second, I think, going into today's game. Today's Monday, uh, July 1st. I think he was second in, the, in baseball in hits and was hitting right around 300. Not his stolen bases are, are are down after leading the American League in the, the previous two years in stolen bases. All of baseball last year with 45, his stolen base numbers are down. But um, he was terrific last season to lead. Was the third player since World War II to lead baseball in hits and stolen bases. So I I, I certainly agree with the idea that he is the best representative for the Royals at at the All Star Game, and I'm I'm really happy for the guy. Just talk about a. A great clubhouse person, good guy to have, and the, I think about it, this as well. And Sam, you were you covered a lot of bad Royals teams uh, when you started covering baseball. Always felt g- bad for guys like Mike Sweeney, Joe Randa, David DeJesus, the best players on those bad teams. 
I really want a postseason at some point for Whit Merrifield. So yeah. I don't have to remember him the way that, you know, I remember those guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's good enough to be, you know, it's funny you bring those guys. Like, Mike, Mike Sweeney was the best right-handed hitter. Well, him or Manny Ramirez, the, the best right-handed hitter in the American League for a time, you know. And and David DeJesus, that, that was a weird career because, like, DeJesus, I felt like, stuck out a little bit because he was competent. You know, he was a guy who'd be like... On, on a team that was so incompetent. <laughs> yeah. It was like, well, he could hit like eighth or ninth for a good team, you know, and he's just locked into the three-hole uh, for the Royals. You know, they, they have had some guys like that, but like like Witt, you know, to me is even more valuable as the Royals get better, if the Royals get better, I should say. You know, like it doesn't... There's nothing in his demeanor that says he's the, the moment's going to be too big for him which you've had questions about in the past for guys that have, you know, had good years for the Royals or whatever. I mean, legitimate questions. And there's nothing like he, he just the way he approaches the game, um, you know, his swing. I mean, it, you can get as technical as you want. Like his swing, nobody's slump proof in baseball, but he's insulated pretty well. With a, it, It's a solid swing The you know, the barrels in the zone. It's good bat speed. He's got a good approach, like all those things. It's just, you know, sometimes you just have to like, wow, like this is who he is. Cause he, he was exposed in, in the rule five draft. Right. And nobody took him. So this isn't just the Royals that, that, that missed on him. If you look up the, the, the players, like you can use baseball reference to look up the players that have had like, you know, debuted at 27 or older, and had you know success like this, and first of all, it's a really short list, and it's like uh, it's Ichiro, and it's Jose Abreu, and it's guys like that that you know. There's a reason, right, <laughs> you know, they're right. they're not American. They, you know, they, they could not be in the big leagues right. before a certain age because um, they were, had already accumulated like a thousand hits in Japan. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, there's just there's really not much precedent, much if at all, for what what Mayfield's done of a guy. You know that came through an American-born guy that came through college in the minor league system and took this long and has been this good. And he was he a tenth-round pick? Does that sound right? I, I I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it was it was certainly not first couple rounds. Right. Um, so you combine that with the age. I mean, that, that probably is a unique profile. Blair, you got me thinking about this when you asked that question, though. Who knows how long till they till they win again? And who knows how much wit is part of the bridge to that future? as a player or how much he could be seen as a bridge to that future as somebody to trade. Dayton has made a big point, and I think he might have talked to you about this, Sam, also recently, but I was out there to see him at the Jewish Community Center a couple of weeks ago. Wit was a very specific topic, and I think Dayton's smart enough not to say, I will never do this or never do that, but he, he really framed it as it would be a crazy ask what we would want for Wit now, and, and that more or less, frame them as part of the future. And I, I think that's where they are. I, I don't, I guess it's possible he could be traded, but I, I think it would be um, really unlikely that it'll happen that way. Uh, ninth round, 2010. Ninth round, okay. I just looked it up. Um, he profiles a little bit, like there's, there's some Ben Zobrist in there, and I don't know if like that's a thing that we would think about if Zobrist hadn't come over in that trade or whatever, but positional versatility. Zobrist debuted relatively late, uh, you know, and, 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 good athletes you know uh wit's not a, a switch hitter obviously but you know good athletes with sort of um again nobody's literally slump proof but pretty good solid you know dependable swings and and zobrist i think was 35 
when in, in 2015 when he had that season. I mean, he, he was a little bit so. My point is, Witt could age a little bit better yeah, than, yeah. than a lot of baseball players. But one interesting thing about Ooh. trading for him, because again, he seems like if if I'm a contender, I really want him for a lot of the reasons. Again, that the Royals that that Ben Zobrist made sense for them. Like I, I just I, I think he's a really good player that would be even more valuable for a good team than he is, you know, with a team on pace for 106 losses as as we're talking right now. Uh, but. It's funny, like there's not, the trade market for him has not, it's been a little bit cold, you know? Um, Sean Manaya is not walking through that door in, in an exchange for Whit Merrifield. And, and, and that's, um, and Whit's got, what, four more years of, of club control, something right. like that at, at, at a really three, low right? price. Yeah. yeah, it might be four. So, you know, that that's part of the math too, but, you know, especially for a front office that, that values having some sort of face, you know, they don't know how long Alex Gordon's going to be around. Sal Perez is going to be back next year, but who knows what that's going to be like. Like Whit Merrifield is, you know, sort of this generation's for the Royals, you know, Alex or Salvi or, or, or whatever. And um, I, I do think that the Royals, as, as sentimental as they are, um, they put a premium on that, you know. So it's just, you got to meet our price plus a little bit. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, probably not going to happen. If you had to guess, Probably not going to happen. Here, yeah, here, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think he's, I think he's part of, it. and it's, it, and I say that even as you know, look, Nicky Lopez's numbers aren't, you know, he's struggling like just production wise. But if you watch his at bats, I, you know, I, in the last week, maybe um, spitballing, but it seems like in the last week he's making better contact. He seems he hit a dip. He had a a, a, a good. What first two, three, four games, something like that, and then it just seemed like a couple, couple weeks worth of yeah, uh, you know, one for twenty-five ish. Yeah, it just like, oh man, these guys are like throwing stuff that I'm not used to. But it seems like he's getting that. He, he's not going to be Jose Ramirez or or whatever. But um, you know, he's getting that slap hitter. You know, line drives the opposite field, punch it through the infield. You know, kind of base hits. I think he can be a good player. Um, so Witt's going to have to move around like he has already. So I, I, even as the Royals have what I think is a pretty good option at his probably Witt's most natural position. I still think he's good enough and valuable enough to keep around and, and plug other holes. Okay, so then how about um, most likely to be traded? If, if Whit Merrifield is down on that list, who was, who was up on that list? I'll tell you this. I mean, it's not a big name, but I'd be surprised if Homer Bailey is with the team on August 1st. What, what, a, um, what, what a gift of a contract he mm-hmm. has for the Royals and whoever. <laughs> yes. Would uh, would acquire yes. him anybody but the Dodgers. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. uh, you know he he's pitched relative. You know he's pitched pretty well. He's been dependable. Everybody can always use pitching. Uh, like you know very cheap. You know I, I, he's not going to bring back a huge haul by any stretch. But he he, I, he, he he's the kind of guy that I think they'll trade. Um, how about Jorge Soler? If, if the market's there, I, I think they should. By saying that, you you feel like you think they're a value well. Actually, the question is, is that your valuation of their evaluation or sort of it's more my evaluation of um, where the Royals play and what they want to be is a bad fit for Jorge Soler's strengths. You put him in, um, you know, a smaller ballpark, like anywhere in the AL East. Basically, or London, you know, right? <laughs> Did you see Bill James tweet the other day? No. Like, because I've always said hitters see the ball really well in London. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, you know, you put him in a in a different ballpark where uh, you know his his limitations uh, defensively aren't as amplified as they are in right field at Kaufman, 
and his strengths as a hitter are amplified. Um, you know, with with not that he needs help. A lot of his home runs are, you know, out where that truck used to be uh, in left field at Kaufman. But um, yeah, he, he's a guy that just would make sense to me. Like everybody can use a power bat, right? You know, like a guy that can get on base a little bit and hit home runs. You're making me think of this, and maybe maybe it's a, a there's a no answer to it exactly. But if if the Royals had their way, would they have one guy that they you know is, is the designated hitter? Or do they do they want to be able to do it by committee? What's more advantageous to whatever it is they seek to do? I, I ask this obviously because of Solaire. I mean, in some senses, you think, you know, just keep him at DH. Don't don't even bother with this outfield stuff. I agree with that. Um, but the, the Royals have this weird. We can all relate to this probably in some ways of our personal lives, maybe. Of uh, God, I, I say I'm going to be a workout guy and I'm going to eat well, and you know, but <laughs> I, I also want nachos. You know, uh, and I feel like the Royals. Boy, do you want are, nachos yeah. at eleven o'clock at night? <laughs> yeah. The Royals are very like they want sort of a, a, a rotating DH. They really like it, it's a way to get, especially you know, if Sal Perez is playing, you know, get him off his legs, but keep his bat. You know, they, they, they like that idea, but they keep signing guys like, you know, trading for Jorge Soler and, and um, you know, Brandon Moss. And, you know, there, there's been others through the years. Like It seems like they've, they're trying to resist it. In theory, we want a rotating DH, but in practice, it's a lot. Of, it's, it's really tempting to just add a guy that you think can hit 25 home runs. Uh, we'll figure out a way to make it work. And sometimes it's, it's difficult. Especially like Ryan O'Hearn, he's improved a lot defensively, a lot defensively. But he may be a DH, you know. Like you just, you just don't know like where other guys. So I just as, as open as you can keep that spot, I think, unless you have David Ortiz. But okay, guys, uh, very good. We will take a break here and come back. I want to ask Sam about a column he wrote on uh, that appeared in the Sunday Kansas City Star. I thought it was really interesting. So we'll be back right after this message. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. It's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at kansascity.com slash sportspass. We are back with columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian on Sportsbeat KC. Sam, you've had a column that appeared in the Sunday print editions of the Kansas City Star on a topic that that I have long been interested in. Wrote a little bit about it during the Final Four this year, but it involves sports gambling in Kansas and Missouri, the prospect of sports gambling. Not going to happen in 2019, but I think we were both of the belief that it's going to happen eventually in both states. And when it does, what is it going to look like? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of what they're figuring out right now. Like, we, we have moved – this is important to, to point out. Like, we have moved past the um, should we do this? Is this right? Is this ethical? Like, all that stuff. We, now we're firmly in the how big of a piece of the pie can, can I get? And that's, that's states. 
that's casinos it's teams and, and it's yeah and it's leagues, leagues um, teams, right? you know because they they want their <clears throat> integrity <clears throat> fee which is just <laughs> sorry I just have a hard time getting that out uh, integrity fee it's quite the term uh, anyway I, I think what it's gonna look like um, look th- I think there's six maybe even more than that different bills in Missouri uh, and and they're all sports gambling, but some of them are the lottery can you know sell lottery tickets that would be you know uh, related to sports. Some of them are brick and mortar, but not online, you know, because that's kind of a big fight because you know the Hollywood casinos and the Harrahs and those places are trying to fight with um, you know DraftKings and and FanDuel, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So you gotta have you gotta have skin in the game, you know, you know like bricks on the on the land and and there's geofencing that that can keep you from um you know betting in a, in a different sport so that would be really interesting in Kansas City right because um <laughs> i live near state line road and the nearest park to my house is on the other side of state line road so if i'm just messing around on my phone and i'm trying to bet how does that work like am i now betting in Missouri, but then if I'm in my house in Kansas, do I have to go across the street to like cash the money? Like I don't know, you know, like it's it's a unique situation here, right? Uh, but I, I think what's going to end up happening there, there's too much money, and it's free money, it's easy money at stake. This is, and I get like next year the 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 legislative session is going to be you know an election year, and and a lot of times that's a stuff doesn't get done, right? But this is a pretty easy win. Um, there, there was a, a poll I saw. There was sixty some, sixty five, I think, percent of Americans are in favor of legalizing it. So that you're not walking out on a limb here. Um, you know, this is an easy win. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, trying to to figure out how to divide the pie. I think what's going to end up look, looking like is um, uh, existing casinos obviously can can take bets and um, online because if you don't do online, I just don't know. Like what are we? What are we really doing here? I that, that's not an improvement over the current system where you can just no, go to I, Cayman Islands or whatever. I do. I do know that there is some in some places uh, where it is legal now, where sports betting is legal, and I don't know. I forgot how many states. Fifteen. Is it fifteen now? Mm-hmm. That's up from fifteen a year ago. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> these are these are fifteen <laughs> states that have come on board in the last year. There, there's a thought that you'd be able to go into Arrowhead Stadium. Coffin Stadium or Allen Fieldhouse or Bramlage or yep. Mizzou Arena and, and place a bet there. Uh, Wrigley has talked about that, um, you know, uh, of putting key on. And that, that stadium is an ATM machine anyway. Right. Can you imagine with, you know, especially that clientele, <laughs> you know, just being able to place a bet on who's going to hit the next home run or whatever. Yes, My right. goodness. I think we need to queue up the Lee that Ilya place uh, thing is right now. About 90% of the yeah. world's working. Uh, sorry, Cubs fans. <laughs> One thing that was interesting in that, uh, and again, this is Missouri. I'm not trying to leave Kansas out, but this is in Missouri. Co, I'm not even going to say because I'm going to butcher the name. Um, it's either Cody Hall or Cody Smith. Sorry, it's a, it's a, a Missouri politician has introduced a bill um, in which a a chunk of the uh, revenue, a chunk of the proceeds, uh, goes to stadium renovate stadium renovations. I love that idea. Which for us <laughs> here in Kansas City, that has enormous implications. And look, like, let's not overstate the amount of money. That's going to pay for a new stadium. Like, that's right, right. But a couple million dollars. Yeah, you might be able to get it. It helps in, and look, this maybe this is just me projecting, but first of all, it, it eliminates a silly talk about um, Chiefs and Royals moving to the Legends. 
right? And and going over there. Um, and the second thing that it might do is fulfill what I think is the best possible scenario for Kansas City, which is the Royals play downtown and the Chiefs stay where they are, but they build a new modern stadium that, you know, sort of is, with the is, village around it. Yes, know? exactly. With development there, it can be, and and we've seen that in other, you know, like New England is the, the first one that comes to my mind. Um, Philly, you know, is is pretty similar that way. The, the, like that's what a lot of people are doing. So you can make money more than, you know, they've already tried to make more money more than the the ten games, eleven if they get a home playoff game with you know certain concerts and stuff like that. But still, the number is probably fewer than 20 and certainly fewer than 30 days where you're where you're making money but if you have a movie theater shopping you know all that stuff now all of a sudden you're making money 365 it's funny Blair one of the first conversations we had when I when I came here in 2013 somehow we got talking about it's a little bit of a riff off this thing but the the lack of development around Truman Sports Complex versus you know the the legends. I, yeah, I said that the the two intersections of I seventy and four thirty five. One is the Truman Sports Complex. The other is the Legends. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's amazing what's happened at those two intersections. Why is it? And and maybe well, this is a, a far afield, but I but I, I've always been interested in this. Why? I, I obviously it's a little more landlocked and contained right there. But there were businesses on on uh, right adjacent. What's that road coming north and south? Were you talking just 435? Uh, Blue Ridge Cutoff? No, the road is, yeah, Blue Ridge, Ridge Cutoff. Cut sure. There were oh, businesses yeah, yeah. there that, that came and went a number of times, mm-hmm. and, and, and so I, I just don't get why that We used to go drinking with the happen. umpires in the, at Sanders after the, after the Royals games. Yeah. Uh, well, fun group, by the way. Oh, it, that's <laughs> funny. I, I didn't, Missouri Bar and Grill in St. Louis had the same thing, and I, I never realized till then there was umpire groupies that would be hanging out. <laughs> that's awesome. Crazy. <laughs> a lot of this is political, right? Totally, um, totally political. And, is what, it, and what the state how the state helped the Kansas side, the Kansas project with, yeah. with, with state money. And it also helped that uh, the government's consolidated, Wyandotte County and yeah. Kansas City, Kansas consolidated to, to yeah. speak with one voice yep. and, and to get it done. So you had and, Speedway, Soccer Stadium, and the yeah. minor league ballpark out there. And and Nebraska Furniture Mart yeah, and Cabela's. all that stuff, which Nebraska Furniture Mart takes my money every month. Um, and and credit where it's due. Uh, it, uh, hope I get the name. Carol Marinovich. Yeah, is Carol that the Marinovich name? Was she the, was an the mayor, the unified, incredibly effective leader yeah. in in getting all that stuff done. And it wasn't just. It seems, and this is before my time, obviously, like when they built the stadiums, it kind of seemed like either didn't consider development at that time. You know, this is fifty years ago. Or ah, if we build the stadiums, then stuff will stuff will build up around it. But you know, by the time Speedway. T-Bone, certainly Children's Mercy lived strong at the time. But, uh, you know, by the time that stuff came in, it was like, okay, we need to support this with other other, other growth. The other big consideration at the time was um, the Royals and the Chiefs were billed as regional teams, pulling, you know, pulling fans not yeah. only from the metropolitan area, but, you know, western Kansas, sure. eastern Missouri, Nebraska, Iowa, Arkansas, Remember Oklahoma. those first Chiefs logos yeah, with, with, with six states? Yeah, with the Indian with the Tomahawk yeah, running yeah. through six states. Goes back a ways. Um, which is why parking, access to the stadium and parking were, were the premium yeah. items then. Not, yeah. you wouldn't think, you would not have thought then of building a stadium downtown. Um well, that is uh, that's a great topic that we'll we'll tackle uh, at another time. So, listen, guys, I really appreciate you stopping by. It was uh, it was great talking to you. Hope to make this a, a weekly endeavor with Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks, Mike. Well, 
Links to the stories we discussed can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com, the True Blue app, and Facebook.com slash True Blue. Thanks to producers Kathy Liu and Leah Becerra for putting the show together. As I mentioned earlier, today's podcast is dedicated to Adam Darby. He was a news editor and digital content producer for the Kansas City Star and real-time national news editor for McClatchy, our parent company. Adam died on June 17th of cancer. He was 49. Adam was an excellent editor with a wonderful wit and as friendly as they come. He is missed. At a beautiful memorial service over the weekend for the husband of Sarah and the father of Annabelle, Amelia, and Zach, we heard from Adam, who recorded an inspirational message after learning he could not be cured. We're going to play that message for you. Early on, it's a bit graphic in detail as Adam describes his battle with cancer as the treatment being rougher than the cancer itself. Please hear what Adam has to say. It'll be the best three minutes of your day, and thank you for listening. When I was diagnosed in June, you know, I went uh, straight into um, chemotherapy, and we had a, a, a big plan. And um, a whole team of doctors looking out for me, um, and we were looking for a cure. Um, and uh, the plan was to do chemotherapy and then radiation and then surgery and then done and, and go on with life, right? Um, well, the chemotherapy was brutal. Um, my feet were literally falling apart, like breaking open and cracking open to and bleeding um, to where I couldn't really even walk. Um, my mouth sores were so bad that I could not taste food and I could not eat anything with spice in it. And so this cancer treatment is even rougher than the cancer itself. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I was the, the model patient. I, the tumors were shrinking. Um, I was, uh, you know, um, in my liver, they had shrunken down to almost nothing. The one in my colon had shrunken down. Um, and uh, so I went into radiation. And after that, was going to be kind of a model patient for surgery. Well, between October and January, in that short amount of time, cancer just blew up. Um, but the truth is, at least to me, where I'm sitting right now, cancer is like a runaway train. And the research and the doctors and, and the pharmaceutical companies and everybody are like those guys with the little pump thing, you know, following behind, trying to keep up. Um, it's just, cancer is relentless. And um, if there's anything that you can do to avoid getting cancer in the first place, just please, please, I beg you, just do it. I would like everybody to Please, please do everything you can for early detection of cancer, whether it be getting a colonoscopy or getting um, a breast exam, a mammogram, um, and do it as, as soon as possible. Hold on to your loved ones. Um, the, the, the biggest thing that I've learned out of all of this is that you can just be waylaid by something like this and you just don't know it's coming. It's like a runaway train 
and it just hits you. And um, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would just say that I would spend as much time as I possibly could with my with my family and with my loved ones and with my friends. And, um, you know, um, just just not waste any time because you never know when that time, at least in this life, is going to come to an end.